hello beautiful people beautiful family and thanks for joining me today in this our 18th part series in this very long journey that we have titled the journey and we are going over the five core books of ellen white and we are on book number one and the title of this book is called patriarchs and prophets and we are in chapter 18 and chapter 18 is titled the night of wrestling I really do have to say something about this particular talk that we're about to have. And that is when we started this journey, I promised that I, I didn't promise, but I said that I was going to give you hints of what the chapters talk about and some lessons that we learn from them. But it is all with the intention of having you read the, read the books by yourself and, you know, study. But on this chapter, as I was reading it, I really felt like God talked to me. And the, the second half, of, I mean, the whole chapter is beautiful, but the second half is such a powerful message that I will actually be reading it to you in this video or if you're in a podcast, uh, in this podcast. So um, let's go ahead and get started. But note that at the end, I will be straight up reading from the chapter again, chapter 18, the night of wrestling. And at this point, Jacob has left, left. Uh, Mesopotamia, where he was living with his uncle Laban, and we talked about that story last time. Now Jacob has to make the same journey that he made 20 years ago, alone and by himself, for having deceived his father and lied, and you know, kind of betrayed his brother. The same journey that he had to do alone 20 years ago. Now he's doing it with his family, with his children with his people, his cattle, back to the promised land, which is the land that God had promised he would give Abraham and his descendants. So he's making that journey back. And as you can imagine, as he's making the journey back, he's getting flashbacks of all those times where he was making that journey the opposite way, by himself, alone, feeling you know, abandoned by God. And of course, as he making his way back and these memories start popping back into his mind, Satan once again takes this opportunity to remind him of how, you know, how much of a liar he was and that he deceived his father and he starts feeling this sense of guilt. But at the same time, as he's feeling this sense of guilt, he reminds himself that even though he did do that, God had delivered him and had, you know, done well on his promise. So this is, I guess, lesson number one for us. As we sin and fail, Satan will be very eager to remind us of our failures, of our sins. But we will do well to remember that God had promised that if we confess our sin, and this is in 1 John uh, chapter 1, verse 9. I remember that one. If we confess our sin, he is just and merciful to forgive us. So Jacob reminds, is you know, remembering all this deceival that he engaged in. But at the same time, he remembers, okay, even though I did that, God, you know, delivered me from it. And I am now in, you know, in God's good grace, sort of. Um, so, he comforts himself in these memories, and but of course, 
he has to face reality. And the reality is that as he's moving back to the promised land, he's also moving back to where his brother Esau lived or, you know, still lives. So he has to confront his brother at some point, And this, of course, makes him scared. So he asks God for guidance and for, you know, just for guidance and, and ask for mercy so that when his brother sees him, he doesn't kill him. As we know from Esau, when we talk about him, Esau was a strong man, a man, you know, of, of the field sort of way. So Jacob is, of course, very nervous. Jacob, in his scaredness, sends of his servants cattle and money, you know, in a sense, to Esau through his servants and say, you know, this is a gift that I'm giving you. And this was all to say, we have to remember that when Jacob left, basically all the inheritance of his father and mother was of Esau, because Esau was the one that was living there. Jacob had fled away. So, of course, as Jacob is making his way back, Esau could be thinking, okay, this guy is coming back to reclaim his inheritance, and there's no way I'm going to give him, you know, half of my stuff. So Jacob is thinking about that, and he says, no, 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 I'm going to send my servants so that they go and talk to Esau, and they let him know that I have plenty. I'm not coming back to get anything. I'm just coming back by the commandment of God. But the servants return, and they return with no message from Esau, other than saying that Esau is now making his way to Jacob with 400 men. And for those of us who understand war, especially in those times, when a guy comes at you with 400 men, very likely he's coming to kill you or to go to war with you. At this point, Jacob becomes very distressed, and this is human weakness. God had told him that he was going to be with him. But of course, Jacob is a man just like you and me. And just like you and me has have doubts from time to time, Jacob did. So he starts once again getting his own mind, getting stressed. So he comes up with a plan. He's going to split his family in two. He's going to send some people one way, some people the other. So that if Esau cuts one of the groups, at least the other one is safe. But in the midst of all this, <coughs> in the midst of all this, Jacob is, hey, you guys go ahead. I'm going to stay behind. I need to pray. And, God, and Jacob stays by himself alone in the wilderness because he needs to talk to God and he needs to, you know, beg for mercy in his mind. And I'm going to read just a portion of Jacob's uh, prayer. And this is him speaking to God. You said to me, return to your country and to your family, and I will deal well with you. I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which you have shown your servant. For I cross over this Jordan with my staff, and now I have become two companies. Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he come and attack me and the mother of my children." And a little later, he says, with earnest cries and tears, he made his prayer before God. So he laid it out, out in the open. He was, God, I'm scared. I'm nervous for my family. Please, please deliver me. And he's alone. He's at night. You know, his family has left him. He, he, he stayed behind. And at this point, a hand touches his shoulder, you know, touches him. And of course, 
he's praying about staying safe. Somebody touches him. He thinks that this is an enemy going to attack him or to kill him. So he goes into fighting mode and he starts basically wrestling. And that's the chapter, the title of the chapter, The Night of Wrestling. He starts wrestling with this individual that is grabbing him. And little did he knew that Jesus himself, the angel of the covenant, was the one paying him a visit. So he's wrestling all night. You can imagine it doesn't, the Bible doesn't quite say and this book doesn't say either, but I would think that it was quite a few hours of fighting back just because of how the context is laid up. So at some point he realizes he's not going to win anything. This individual that's holding him that we know is Jesus touches his hip and his, his hip kind of gets dislocated and he's a bit, you know, um, handicapped now. But he's still wrestling with the guy because now he realizes after this happened that he's not fighting with just any human. He's fighting with the Lord of hosts, with God, with the angel of the covenant. And amen to that. So when he says that now he goes, he switches gear and he's like, you know what? I'm not going to let you go until you bless me because he knows that God himself is there with him and that he can deliver him. So Jacob just doesn't let go of him, begging him to be good on his promise. And um, he, of course, was giving the assurance. He says here, the error that had led to Jacob's sin in obtaining the birthright by fraud was now clearly set before him. He had he not trusted God's promises, but had sought by his own efforts to bring about that which God would have accomplished in his own time and way basically saying he now realizes or double realizes at this point what he had done and that it is because he confessed his sin that God was paying him a visit and this is a very important piece of uh, lesson for us you know we sin God knows it but we need to come to him with our hearts bare open with God, I failed you in this. I failed you in that. And I need your help. And because Jacob did that, God, of course, uh, took him in. So he will not let go of Jesus until he was, um, you know, he would be with him. And he will tell him, no worries. Everything's going to be fine. Of course, that did happen. And later it says, Jacob no longer feared to meet his brother. He was given the assurance that everything was going to be okay. He eventually sees his brother. They run to each other. They hug. They, they love each other. They haven't seen each other in years, 20, about 20 years or so. So it, of course, had been a long, long time. So Jacob's experience, and this is where I, I'm going to switch to reading. So I'm going to be reading. This is not my words. This is the words of Ellen White. Now we switch to reading because here's a big, big uh, lesson for us. And again, this part just talked to me today while I was reading it. Jacob's experience during that night of wrestling and anguish represents the trial through which the people of God must pass just before Christ's second coming. Remember those words. And then he says, When Christ shall cease his work as mediator in man's behalf, 
then this time of trouble will begin. Then the case of every soul will have been decided, and there will be no atoning blood to cleanse from sin. When Jesus leaves his position as man's intercessor before God, the solemn announcement is made. He who is unjust, let him, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. That's in Revelation 22:11. Then the restraining spirit of God is withdrawn from the earth. As Jacob was threatened with death by his angry brother, so the people of God will be in peril from the wicked who are seeking to destroy them. And as the patriarch wrestled all, all night for deliverance from the hand of Esau, so the righteous will cry to God day and night for deliverance from the enemies that surround them. Satan had accused Jacob before the angels of God, claiming the right to destroy him because of his sin. He had moved upon Esau to march against him, and during the patriarch's long night of wrestling, Satan endeavored to force upon him a sense of his guilt in order to discourage him and break his hold upon God. Is this not what happens to us? And of course, I'm not reading now, I'm just saying. This is exactly what Satan does to us, and now I'm going to keep reading. When in, this, when in his distress, Jacob laid hold of the angel and made supplication with tears, the heavenly messenger, in order to try his faith, also reminded him of his sin and endeavored to escape from him. But Jacob will not be turned away. He had learned that God is merciful, and he cast himself upon his mercy. He pointed back to his repentance for his sin and pleaded for deliverance. As he reviewed his life, he was driven almost to despair, but he held fast the angel and with earnest, agonizing cries, urged his petition until he prevailed. Such will be the experience of God's people in their final struggle with the powers of evil. God will test their faith, their perseverance, their confidence in his power to deliver them. Satan will endeavor to terrify them with the thought that their cases are hopeless, that their sins have been too great to receive pardon. They will have a deep sense of their shortcomings, and as they review their life, their hopes will sink. But remembering the greatness of God's mercy and their own sincere repentance, they will plead His promises made through Christ to helpless, repenting sinners. Their faith will not fail because their prayers are not immediately answered. They will lay hold of the strength of God as Jacob laid hold of the angel, and the language of their souls will be, I will not let you go until you bless me. Had not Jacob previously repented of his sin in obtaining the birthright by fraud, God could not have heard his prayer and merciful, mercifully preserved his life. So in the time of trouble, if the people of God had unconfessed sins to appear before them while tortured with fear and anguish, they will be overwhelmed. Despair will cut off their faith, and they could not have confidence to plead with God for deliverance. But while they have a deep sense of their unworthiness, they will have no concealed wrongs to reveal. Their sins will have been blotted out by the atoning blood of Christ, and they cannot bring them to remembrance. Satan leads many to believe 
that God will overlook their unfaithfulness in the minor affairs of life. But the Lord chose in his dealing with Jacob that he can in no wise sanction or tolerate evil. All who endeavor to excuse or conceal their sins and permit them to remain upon the books of heaven, unconfessed and unforgiven, will be overcome by Satan. And then the last portion says, The more exalted their profession and the more honorable the position which they hold, the more grievous is their course in the sight of God, and the more certain the triumph of the great adversary. A bit later says, in, in all our helpless unworthiness, we must trust in the merits of the crucified and risen Savior. No one will ever perish while they do this. And I just get goosebumps at this point. My friend, the message here is clear. The only reason why Jacob prevailed was because he, conf he had confessed his sins. He had guilt. He recognized that he failed and he fell short of God's standards. And he came to God, sinner as he was, asking for forgiveness and deliverance. And God came through on his promises. The same is true for you. The same is true for me. As we go up in life, we will fail. We're humans and God knows that. The Bible says where sin abounded, grace abounded even more. So God knows that we're humans that we sin. But as we go through life and we fall short of his standards, we must come to him and we must confess our sin and say, God, I failed. This is what I did. I don't want to do it again. Help me not do it again. Because in that great day, um, if you and I happen to be lucky to, to live through those final events, it will be our like as it said in the book, it will be overwhelming for us to be in that last struggle, in those last times. And we remember re reminding ourselves, oh, I, I had done this sin and I never confessed it. I, I kept it hidden. I didn't know it was going to be a big deal. In that point in time, it will become a huge deal, huge enough to separate us from ever to cut, you know, that joint between us and God. And of course, this will be catastrophic so what is the message confess your sins and trust that god will save you and in that day when you are going through those times not necessarily in that day even today most of us go through this battle of like will god forgive me does he hear me does he love me once we know that we have confessed and trusting that he said he will forgive us then we'll be able to overcome our own bad thoughts about how God feels towards us, and we'll be able to trust that we are saved because he said he would save and deliver us. Deliver us. And I love it how this chapter ends. It's a, it's a verse in Luke 18, 7 and 8, and it says, And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily call upon the name of the lord and know that you are heard know that you are forgiven and know that god is with you even though at certain points in life it doesn't feel like he is remember feeling is not reality 
Our feelings betray us quite often, almost every day in life. Don't ever let your feelings overcome that trust and faith in God. That's it for this chapter. I know I read a lot, but it's just, again, it spoke to me. I hope it spoke to you. This is beautiful things here, many lessons to learn, and I'll see you next time.